This episode of the Art of Manliness podcast is brought to you in part by Brilliant Earth. Create your own one-of-a-kind engagement ring with Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. Brilliant Earth's exclusive unique designs are brought to life by master jewelers, and they offer free shipping returns on all orders. Now, just for Cyber Monday, receive complimentary diamond earrings with any purchase over $1,000. And make sure to order today for delivery by Christmas. Take advantage of this first-time offer and see terms. Go to brilliantearth.com manliness. That's brilliantearth.com manliness. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. The holiday season is upon us. It's time for getting cozy, making memories, and looking forward to the new year ahead. And my guest today has plenty of research-backed insights on how to take each of those things to the next level. His name is Mike Viking, and he's the CEO of the Happiness Research Institute and the author of The Little Book of Huga, Danish Secrets to Happy Living, as well as The Art of Making Memories, How to Create and Remember Happy Moments. We begin our discussion exploring the Danish concept of Huga, which is the art of getting cozy and how it helps Danes survive their long, harsh winters. Mike also discusses his research on how to create lasting memories. We then combine these two ideas to explore how lighting, food, scent, and more can help you inject more huga into the holiday season and make Christmas in the coming year your most memorable yet. You want to grab a hot cocoa and wrap yourself in a blanket, sit in front of a roaring fire, cozy up before listening to the show. After it's over, check out our show notes at aom.is cozy. Right. Mike Viking, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you are the CEO of the Happiness Research Institute and author of two books that I really enjoyed. The first one is The Little Book of Huga, Danish Secrets to Happy Living and the Art of Making Memories. So how did a guy with the name of Mike Viking end up being the CEO of the Happiness Research Institute and writing about happiness? Uh, you start to wonder why is it that Denmark often do well in all these happiness rankings and you think there should be somebody trying to explore this and there should be somebody setting up a think tank on happiness in Denmark and then you think maybe I should do that. Um, So that that was seven years ago and um, we work on uh, well-being, happiness, quality of life, trying to look at, at happiness from a scientific perspective. I know the Happiness Research Institute sounds like a magical place, and people imagine that all we do all day is look at puppies and eat ice cream, uh, but we look at a lot of, of data and studies and evidence. So let's talk about this, this concept of huga. I didn't, I wasn't aware of this until I think maybe two years ago, and then all of a sudden, I saw it popping up in the media in social media posts here in the United States. What is Hugo? What does it mean? And what does it mean to Danes in particular? So I think the best short definition of Hugo is uh, the art of creating a nice atmosphere. So it's, it's moments where we enjoy simple pleasures in life, um, a sense of togetherness, a sense of relaxation, um, and of course, that happens everywhere around the world. But what is uniquely Danish is that we have a word that describes that situation. And secondly, also, I think that we see it as part of our sort of cultural DNA, uh, perhaps a little bit the same way that, that Americans see freedom as inherently American. Danes will see Hugo as inherently Danish. And for me, like the, what I think of Hugo 
it's always like I so like for me like the translation the way I think about it in my brain is coziness right that atmosphere that's that's cozy. So I mean, do other cultures like over in Scandinavian countries they also have a concept similar to huga? I think the closest is probably uh, the Netherlands uh, further south. They have a word in Dutch called uh, geselligheid, uh, which I think is the one uh, language that comes closest to having a similar word to Huga. And so what are the components? Like when, when a Dane says, I'm going to have a Huga night or Huga day, like what elements are there to make that happen? So I think it's perhaps best explained with an example. So a few years ago, I was in in Sweden with some friends and um, it was December and we had been out out hiking in the afternoon and came back inside and we got a a fire going in the fireplace and we also had a a stew boiling on the stove and those were sort of the sounds you could hear. And um, we were just, you know, kicking back, relaxing, uh, sipping some wine and one of my friends said, then, you know, could this be any more hugely? And then one of the girls said, yes, if there was a storm outside, because hugely is also this feeling of being sheltered uh, from the outside. So I think uh, that exemplifies what, what hugely is or how we should feel. Um, I think also some, some Americans pronounce it huggy. Uh, and I think we should all switch to that because uh, that is actually, you know, sort of the, the essence of, of what it should feel like, like, like a good hug. Well, that was, that was interesting. This, this sort of contrast you need for huga is that uh, typically there's, it, it comes after like exerting yourself, right? It, you feel more huga when there's like more adverse, like if there's a bad storm outside, if it's snowing outside, or you've, it, yeah. uh, you've, you've worked really hard that day and then you can just feel super relaxed and super, like you can put your hair down. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And also I think Danes use it as a survival strategy for winter. Uh, you know, we, we, we do have summers in Denmark. It's it's four lovely hours and then it's back to winter again. Uh, but uh, so so we have long, dark, uh, cold winters. Um, and Danes, I think, use hugas to get through those. So being indoors with your good friends, uh, having some nice food, lighting up some candles uh, and sort of taking it slow indoor. Uh, I think that's how we get through winter. So your latest book is The Art of Making Memories. What's the connection between huga and, and making memories, do you think? Well, I think both comes down to also being present uh, at the at the current moment. And I think the, the main message of the new book is that uh, we can actually influence what we and our friends and our family remember um, and become sort of memory architects. And I think, you know, I spoke recently to, to a, a Polish woman who had read the book and she was reminded of a time when she was about eight years old. And she was having dinner with her mom and her sister. And they're having a good time. They're laughing. They're feeling happy. And then her mother says to them, I hope you remember this moment. And here we are 30 years later. She still remembers that moment because her mother made her pay attention to it. And and, and I think that's a very sort of simple but very effective tool in terms of making memories or ensuring that people remember certain things. Of course, it's also a tool that can be overused because if you every time you sit down with your kids say, I hope you remember this moment, they're going to tell you to shut up. Uh, but, but used every once in a while, I think it's really powerful. And it, it's, it's also a, a tool of hygge. You know, uh, notice how hygge this is. Notice how much we're actually enjoying this moment. Danes have a habit of calling out hygge when, when they feel it. 
What you talk about too in the art of making memories is idea of nostalgia. And nostalgia is a weird emotion because you both, you feel both happy and sad at the same time, sort of a longing for that time. And yeah, for me in my life, I, when I think of like memorable and nostalgic moments, it's kind of got that huga feeling to it. It's cozy. I'm with my family at Thanksgiving in my grandpa's ranch in New Mexico, smelling uh, pinyon wood, burning in his wood burning stove and pancakes. Nice. It's nostalgic and it's cozy as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's one of the more interesting emotions because it has a complexity to it that we don't see with, with some of the other emotions. Um, it is bittersweet, uh, but it's interesting what you mentioned about your, your grandfather's ranch and uh, that you know part of the memory is the scent, the smell of the, the wood uh, burning, uh, because that's also, also one of the, the patterns in why we remember some things. We remember things through association. Uh, so perhaps today, if you, you smell wood burning, you would be reminded of your, your grandfather's uh, ranch in, in, in New Mexico. I do. Every time I smell pinyon wood, that's what I think of. I go immediately to that. And, and your, your institute has done research on nostalgia, that when someone's going through a hard time, they're feeling down, feeling nostalgic, thinking about a good time in the past can actually boost their happiness, boost their mood. Yeah, so, so we see that people use happy memories as a sort of happiness bank. So when we're feeling down, when we're feeling sad or lonely or sort of negative emotions, uh, we use happy memories to counteract those feelings. Um, and we can see overall people who are able to retrieve happy memories are happier overall. And what we also see is one of the things that people struggle with uh, when they are living with depression is of course, they are feeling unhappy right now, but they actually also have uh, trouble remembering any time in the past they were happy. Um, so, so, so hopefully uh, with this book, we can also help people retrieve some of the happy memories they, they have experienced in the past. So what does the research say about how to, to make memories last and be more meaningful? So you mentioned association, right? So you, we associate sense, but anything else that the research has found? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see when we look and talk with people who are 100 years old and ask them about their life stories and ask them about their memories, there is a huge bump uh, around uh, 15 to 30 years old. So we have a lot of our memories from that period in life. And one of the reasons for that is that it's that period in life, we have a lot of first experiences. So you know, first job, uh, first apartment, perhaps first car, uh, first kiss. Mine was with uh, Christy Lee. I was 16 and she was an Australian girl. Uh, whereas we, we in our 40s and our 50s, we don't have so many first experiences. And, and first experiences just stick better to memory. And that's also one of the reasons why we can, we can feel or experience that life seems to speed up as we get older. Um, so, um, so I think one of the ways to ensure that sort of time slows down and we sort of create more meaningful, memorable moments also in our 40s and our 50s is, of course, to seek out uh, new experiences. And that can be, of course, traveling to destinations we haven't been before, but it can also be new experiences in, in a gastronomical sense. Uh, so trying out 
new food uh, we haven't tried before. So novelty is a powerful memory-making tool, doing new things. Exactly. I mean, how do you how do you inject novelty into Hugo? Because whenever I think of Hugo, I think of like, just like you're doing the same thing. You're in your house, you're wearing your hoodie, right. uh, you got a fireplace going. So how do you inject novelty into that? I think you go about it by using some of the other tools uh, to either make uh, happy memories or retrieve happy memories. Um, so one of the one of the tips in the book is um, to you, you know your brain works a little bit like a or your memory works a little bit like a muscle. So the more you think of something, the more you talk about a certain memory, the more likely that memory is going to be retrieved in the future. The more likely that is going to be stored in your long term memory. Um, and I'm sure you have a lot of photos on your phone. I, I definitely have a lot of photos on my phone. Uh, but you know, back in the '80s when I was growing up, we used to have these old school photo albums uh, that you actually sat and looked at uh, together as a family. Um, so one of the tips in the book is to curate the happy hundred, uh, and that means you know it could be here between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, get out your phones with your family and go through the pictures from the past year and decide which were actually our ten, fifty, or hundred happiest moments um, in the past year and get those photos printed out and put in an old school photo album. I think that's a great exercise if you have kids uh, to sort of get their insight or get their input to what did we actually enjoy this year? What were the fun, uh, happy moments? Um, and put, in, put them in an old school uh, photo, photo album. And that's that's um, that's definitely more Hugo because Hugo is that all is that the, tactile, exactly. so, so tactile. That will be, that will be a, a Hugely activity together with the kids. All right, so it's the holiday season. It's Christmas time, and that's a time that's all about coziness and memory. So I thought it'd be fun to apply the principles in your books to help listeners have the most Huga and memorable Christmas ever. So what can people do to make their home feel more cozy at Christmas time? Uh, so I think one of the easy steps is to uh, go Viking crazy on the candles. Um, so Danes associate Hugo with candlelight. So the more uh, warmer the light, the softer the light, the more Hugely it's considered. So we use a lot of candles in Denmark. We actually use twice as many candles as number two in Europe. Um, so um, I think getting out the candles is, is, is the first step. And, and I know it's a very sort of simple uh, thing, but it's interesting to see how it actually impacts how families interact um, so i spoke to a canadian a couple of years ago who had read hugel and because of the focus on lighting and candles in the book he went out and he bought some uh, chandeliers and started to light uh, candles for dinner at home and um and him and his wife they have three teenage sons and when this guy he started to light the candle the boys uh, his sons they started to tease him you know dad What's going on with the candles? Do you want to have some romantic time with mom? Should we leave? But he says, eventually the boys, they started to light the candles and it became this sort of ritual of food and fire. And more importantly, he says now their family dinners last 20 minutes longer because the atmosphere, the candles puts the boys in a storytelling mood. So instead of just sitting down, shoveling down their food, they sit down, they, uh, they, they talk about their day, they, they sip their wine. And I think it's really fun and interesting to hear and hear that from several sources, how a, a candle can actually 
um, change how a, a family interact. So I think that's the that's one way uh, easy step towards a, a more hugely Christmas. We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. So when it comes to health and wellness, something that often gets overlooked is sleeping. And sleeping, you sleep on a bed, and most people don't think a lot about their mattress. Casper is a sleep brand that it makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. And the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates body temperature throughout the night. Casper offers three other mattresses mattresses. They got the Wave, the Essential, and the Hybrid, all designed, developed, and assembled here in the U.S. And Casper gets delivered right to your door. No more going to the mattress store, having to lay on different mattresses. They put it in a how-do-they-do-that size box with free shipping returns in the U.S. and Canada. And you'll be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You're going to spend one-third of your life sleeping. Be comfortable with Casper. Our producer, Jeremy, him and his wife got a Casper. They love it. They just sleep very, very restfully. Get $100 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash manliness and using code code manliness at checkout. That's casper.com slash manliness, code manliness to get $100 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. One more time, casper.com slash manliness, code manliness. Also buy Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're looking to start a new business, showcase your work, publish content, sell products, and more. Squarespace is the tool for you. They got great looking templates created by world-class designers and you customize them with just a few clicks so you can get a great looking website up in just a few minutes all by yourself, no designer needed. They also have e-commerce functionality so you can sell anything online and they have analytics to help you grow your site in real time. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box and there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And you can buy domain names through Squarespace. It's super simple. And if you need help, Squarespace has 24-7 award-winning customer support. Squarespace empowers millions of people from designers to lawyers, artists to gamers, even restaurants and gyms to turn great ideas into something real. If you want to try this out, go to squarespace.com slash manliness for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code manliness to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com slash manliness for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use code manliness to save 10% off your first purchase purchase of a website or domain. And now back to the show. Uh, and also just put up decorations in general. I've noticed in my own, whenever my experience, whenever I put up Christmas decorations in the house, it makes the house feel smaller, right? Because you got a big giant tree and you have all this greenery everywhere. And just that fact, it kind of closes things in. It just feels, you feel a little more cozy in your house. And I, yeah, I can account to the, the lighting can, uh, the candles can really make a hoogly Christmas. Uh, we have a Christmas party every year. And one year we ended with singing Christmas carols and we gave everyone candles and turned off the lights. And it was really nice. It's also interesting to see uh, for my latest book, uh, I collected more than a thousand happy memories from all over the world. Um, I think we have memories from 75 different countries or something like that. A lot of them were actually on sort of evenings where people had lost um, power, lost the electricity, and, and brought out candles and sat uh, and, and talked about family anecdotes and sort of went completely old school in terms of entertainment. Um, so that, that, that sounds a little bit similar to what you're describing there at the Christmas party. So what about hoogly Christmas smells? What are some of those, you think? Oh, I mean, to Danes, it would be cinnamon and orange. And um, I think it was actually interesting to see uh, when Hugo exploded uh, as it did uh, with, with the books and, and, and people globally sort of embraced Hugo. And the Financial Times uh, wrote 
that the hygge craze and the love of Danish pastry had actually driven up the price of cinnamon on the global market. I thought that was really, really hilarious that, that a book uh, could, could drive up the, the price uh, of spice. But yeah, cinnamon and, um, and oranges, uh, I think, are, are, are some of the things that Danes associate with Christmas. Yeah, I think here in America, for me at least, uh, the smell of a Christmas tree, the pine, smells really good. Yeah. And then also, yeah, cinnamon too as well. And I, there's something interesting too, what I, when I, this is sort of my own experience, like the smell of Christmas decorations. I don't know that for all, they have, they, for a reason they have a smell, because I think they all are, they're infused with like cinnamon and all those spices. But um, whenever you pull them out and they just kind of, it just hits you in the face. It's like, ah, Christmas right. is here. I love it. Yeah. And there you again have the, the memory through association or memory through scent. Um, you know, we smell something, we hear something, we taste something, and then we are instantly transported back uh, to uh, a certain memory. You know, if you put on the, the music you heard in high school, then uh, some, some memories uh, are likely to pop up. What about like sounds? Do you have like sounds you associate with Christmas and Hugo? Oh, I, I guess it would be the carols, and I mean the, the 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 classic music tracks you hear during Christmas. I think that, yeah, that that triggers certain uh, Christmas memories for me. Right, food is an important part of you. In fact, you you offer recipes throughout the book. Um, so, like, what what's the type of food you want to eat during Christmas time to feel like yes, this is this is Christmas? I mean, if if you're going for a hugely Christmas, then you need to go you know, sort of classic traditional Danish Christmas. And that is sort of uh, duck or uh, uh, roasted pork uh, and sort of uh, uh, potatoes that are loaded with, with sugar and, and, and red cabbage. So it's sort of a really sort of traditional set of, of courses you have to have for Christmas. But if you want to make sort of a, a more memorable uh, Christmas, then you would have to sort of seek out new experiences and, and try sort of new ingredients. Uh, but of course, I think in many families that would, call, that would uh, create a, a small uh, you know, revolution uh, and uh, an outcry from, from half the family. So perhaps better to stick with tradition for Christmas. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a hard balance. You got to do memorable things, but you also want to respect tradition. Have you found a way to, have, I mean, you're in talking to people and your own experience, have you found a way to balance that? I mean, one thing you could do is to, to introduce a theme for Christmas. Uh, so you, you stick with some of the traditions uh, but then you add one element that makes it uh, distinguishable from from the other years, uh, some sort of uh, element. Um, but I think you know, Christmas, it's one day of year. Uh, so so maybe best to stick with tradition for that one. Uh, what about any other activities that you that in day, in uh, Denmark they associate Christmas and Hugo together? Oh, I mean, we have uh, Christmas lunches, uh, like I'm sure you do in, in, in the States as well. Um, of course, in Denmark, we bring out, uh, and don't try to pronounce this word at home, but we bring out smørbrød, which is sort of open-faced sandwiches, you know, Danish herring and snaps, and uh, uh, get quite drunk during uh, Christmas parties and, and Christmas lunches. So uh, that that's also a cornerstone of the Danish Christmas tradition. And I guess, you know, bringing tying to this art of making memories, so you can inject some new things maybe, but also another important thing to do during the holidays is to make sure you track it, take pictures, make notes, because if you don't, you're going to forget about it. Right. And also, I mean, you know, I think the time between Christmas and New Year's is a good time to plan a memorable year. So, 
what kind of activities can we do in the coming 12 months that we are likely to remember uh, 10 years from now? Um, and one of the one of the suggestions in the book is to create something I call the Apollo picnic. Um, and you do it on, on July 20th. And the concept is you, you ask your friends and family uh, for a picnic and everybody brings a dish or an ingredient they have not tried before. So it's going to be a new experience. You know, somebody brings Danish herring, somebody brings, I don't know, habanero chili. Um, and that will also mean that you're going to push your comfort zone a little bit. If we do something that scares us, we're also more likely to remember it in the future. And habanero chili should definitely scare you. Um, and you do it on on July 20th um, because that is the anniversary for the moon landing, so the Apollo mission. Uh, so in the future, when you hear about the moon landing and the Apollo mission, that is going to trigger your memory of the Apollo picnic. Uh, so building in triggers like that is is one of the tools you can apply if you uh, are interested in making a memorable year. And I think we all are. I think, you know, I think we're all striving to achieve sort of an unforgettable life. Uh, I think we all like to have sort of memorable moments to look back on. Uh, and it's also our shared experiences. It's our shared memories uh, that bind, uh, bind us together with with people. And if you have kids, I think, no, we're all interested in them you know, looking back on their childhood and thinking of happy times. Um, and, and the good news is there's a lot we can do actually to influence what uh, we and our, our family and friends remember. So, okay, uh, use this time at Christmas time, perhaps, and maybe even July to plan out future memories. Christmas time is also a good time to review memories. I remember as a kid growing up, one thing we did around the holidays was watch old videos that my dad took of Christmases when we were kids. And that was a way to review those good memories. Yeah, and, and and again, I mean, you can use all the five different senses. Um, so even something as crazy as scent. So uh, so one thing that uh, the artist Andy Warhol would do was he he wore the same perfume for three months and then never wore that perfume again and switched to another one for three months and so on and so on. And that meant over time he had actually created a museum of scent or museum of memories. So he could say, now I, want to, now I want to go back to the spring of 1982 and then take a whiff of that perfume and then be transported back in time. And um, I think it's, 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 it's a fun, interesting way of doing it. It's way too expensive for my, uh, <laughs> for my budget. Uh, but I think that's a, that's a fun idea. Yeah. He got buried with his favorite perfume. Beautiful. He did. Yeah, my mom wore beautiful. That's why that stood out to me when I read that. You know, one thing my wife does that's similar is after listening to a new music album a lot, she kind of puts it in the memory vault and doesn't listen to it at all for a long time. That way, it's only associated with the period of time in which she first listened to it. So whenever she does take it out and listen to it again, all the memories from that particular period come back really strongly. Um, so let's get back to this idea of huga being connected with doing hard things because it seems like Scandinavians like to do hard things. We recently had Erling Kaga on the show. He's a Norwegian explorer, the first man to take unsupported treks to the North and South Poles. And he had this same idea that you've got to make your life hard so you can really enjoy the downtime. Yeah, and I think, you know, we also, when, when we look at happiness, we're also interested in, in looking at unhappiness. Uh, I think our... Uh, you know, every human life is going to have periods of struggle and heartbreak and failure and unhappiness. 
Uh, and that's part of the human experience, but it also teaches us about happiness. Uh, you know, we appreciate our happy times, our happy periods in life, uh, even more when we also have had to struggle uh, earlier. And I think that's the same point. Uh, you know, we, we enjoy reaching the, the summit of the mountain because of the struggle up there. And um, so I, I think there's a lot of, of, of similarities there. And how do you make Christmas harder, right? To <laughs> <laughs> I think Christmas is hard enough as it is. I mean, there's so much you have to do for December. So, uh, so I, I'm not sure we need to make it harder than it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess, so maybe we can use it to reframe, right? So I, I know people get stressed out during the holidays. It's like, I got to do all the stuff, got to put up the lights, right. got to put up the tree. Right. Chris, I just like, no, this is great because it's all going to lead up to this moment where I can have this super cozy, memorable day with my family. Yeah, yeah. true. But I mean, what you're saying there actually also reminds me about something from from the latest book uh, on what we call chore wars. So uh, why couples fight over how big a share of the household chores they do. Um, So if if you ask people how big a share of the cooking do you do or how big a share of the cleaning do you do and how big a share of the grocery shopping do you do? And we add that up between men and, and, and women it always adds up more to more than 100%. So, you know, I'll say uh, I do you know, 70% of the, the cooking and uh, Helene, my girlfriend, will say she does 50% of the cooking. So that adds up to 120%. And, and we see that for every chore on the list. And the reason why we, we, um, we, we get to that number is that we 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 remember every time we did a chore uh, because it's a much more vivid uh, experience. Uh, we uh, enjoy, we we endured the struggle of putting up the Christmas tree or getting the Christmas tree or making sure that the kids got all the, the presents they wanted. Um, but you know, when somebody else does the chore, you just you know can check it off the, the list. Um, so so that's one of the reasons why we fight uh, over chores. So I guess during the holidays, take that consideration, right? If you're getting angry at your your spouse because they're like not, you don't think, but you know they're actually doing their stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, it's actually writing this book made me, I think, a little bit more tolerant <laughs> because because I understand now how beautifully flawed uh, our memory also is. Um, so I've learned uh, a little bit more about, uh, I think, being tolerant of other people's versions of uh, history and the past and uh, acknowledging that I don't necessarily have a monopoly on on truth of what happened. Let's go back to this idea of doing hard, making Christmas harder. Here's a fun way to make it harder, that I, a, a tradition that I, I've seen in a family. Uh, before they could open Christmas presents, the family had to run a marathon together. Right? So it's like, it wasn't, they didn't run, not, it was like, it was collectively, right? So each of right. them, they had to run enough miles collectively so that it was a marathon. And then they could open Christmas presents. And I was, I mean, I would never do that, but I thought it was a great memory for them, a great tradition. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. I need to call all, all the cousins I haven't spoken to in a, in a few months. Yeah. <laughs> Get them all Get them, and we're going to run a, well, you can snowshoe. I guess, because it's, it's going to be snowy there in Denmark. Uh, you can snowshoe a right. marathon. Well, Mike, where can people go to learn more about the book and your work? Well, I mean, if they're interested in, in happiness research, uh, visit uh, happinessresearch.com. 
Institute.com. So all our reports and and findings are available uh, on our website. Um, and of course, they can check out the books at various uh, booksellers if they're interested in in taking a deep dive into the Danish Hugel or uh, the art of making memories. Yes, well, Mike Viking, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My guest today was Mike Viking. He's the author of the books, The Little Book of Huga, Danish Secrets to Happy Living, and The Art of Making Memories, both available on Amazon.com. You can find out more information about his work at his website, happinessresearchinstitute.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash cozy. We can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you can find our podcast archives as well as thousands of articles we've written over the years about how to have a great Christmas, great holiday season. A lot of articles there. Check it out. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who would think we get something out of it. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the Art of Manliness Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up. Once you're signed up, well, actually, before you sign up, use code MANLINESS. You get a free month trial at Stitcher Premium. Once you signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the Art of Manliness podcast. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, this is Brett McKay reminding you not only listen to the AOM podcast, but put what you've heard into action. 